You're listening to the weekly message at Mosaic Church. For more information or to talk about your own life in Christ, email info at mosaicchurchevans.org. If you'd like to support our ministry, visit our website at mosaicchurchevans.org. Thanks for listening. And now, this week's message. So, I have a confession to make. For at least half of my life, um, I didn't really understand why we went to church. I didn't really understand why we went to church. I actually, I, I believed that going to church would honor God, and that in and of itself was enough of a reason for me to go. But it wasn't a very satisfying reason, right? I had no vision for the church beyond simply satisfying God. And as a consequence, it made church for me boring, boring. Um, don't amen church being boring. <laughs> no. So, okay, you get it. You get it. Guys, here's the thing. Church struck me as a place where my family was obligated to act happier and look holier than we actually were. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. What I wish I could have understood as a child, and what I certainly wish I could have understood, Epic, when I was y'all's age, is that church, freedom to be the church, is freedom to be a part of God's plan A for healing and restoring a broken world. That's what freedom to be the church is. See, I now believe that the church is much more like a military base on foreign soil. Think about a military base on foreign soil. A, it's, it's a home for a place, a place of belonging for troops in a place where they really don't belong. It's a place where people get healed, soldiers return to base, and, and they get uh, the attention of medical doctors and nurses and, and find healing. It's a place where training continues. And it's a place from which people are sent out back into the battlefield. So I think that's a much better picture of church. And that's, that's, that's certainly a much more exciting picture of church to me than just a place where I'm supposed to look happier and holier than I actually am. So I want to pray this morning that this word really gets in our hearts, that it begins to encourage us and in, in to, to bring about a vitality of what it means to be the church that, that will really just begin to encourage us and strengthen us. So let's just pray. Holy Spirit... Um, Lord, unless you come, unless you do a work, unless you speak to hearts, we labor in vain. And so, Lord, we, we've kind of put things on the altar today, and we ask you to speak in power, to open up hearts and minds, and to strengthen us and to embolden us to be the church. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. Amen. So friends, freedom to be the church is freedom to be a part of God's plan A for restoring a broken world by belonging to, training and healing in, and being sent out as the church of Jesus Christ. The Nicene Creed reminds us that we are one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Part of oneness means that we belong to one another. And I think that's part of what... Um, Matt Chandler means when he admonishes his flock, he says, stop going to church everywhere and start belonging to a church somewhere. 
Because the truth is, guys, God restores our world through us belonging to the church, both physically and spiritually. That's part of how God redeems our world. In Acts chapter 1, so the chapter before what Don was reading, it says that they constantly gathered together in prayer. So notice that the physical and the spiritual being together really matters. Now, have you ever heard someone make a statement that sounds really spiritual, but it's not all that great? They go, we don't have to go to church. We are the church. Anybody ever heard something like that? And it's usually their justification for sitting on their couch and reading the Bible by themselves and never darkening a church door. The problem with that, let me, let me say the problem with that, is it's an inherently flawed statement on its face. See, the Bible wasn't written in English. It was written in Hebrew and Greek. And the Greek word for church is ekklesia. And the word ekklesia doesn't actually straight translate to church. It, it, it more directly translates to assembly or congregation. So how can you be a part of the assembly if you don't actually assemble? How can you be a part of the congregation if you don't actually congregate? So the point is, is that right out of the gate in Acts chapter 2, it says they devoted themselves to fellowship. So to be a part of the assembly, what do we have to do? We have to assemble. We have to be together. So definitely love Jesus in your living room. Spend time in scripture and in prayer by yourself. I'm a huge proponent of a personal life with Jesus. But being a part of the assembly matters. And the question is, why? In the Old Testament, you know, they had the, the temple. And inside the temple, you had the Holy of Holies, which was this place where God's presence would dwell. In the New Testament, God kind of has a renewed picture of the Holy of Holies. And it is the assembly of God. It is the people coming together. See, the Holy Spirit begins to indwell us. And then as we gather together as the assembly, this little warehouse on 478 Columbia Industrial Boulevard actually becomes the Holy of Holies. Why? Because we are bringing the Holy Spirit in you and in me and in all these people. And it's, we're bringing that together. And friends, as we become the Holy Spirit, excuse me, as we become the Holy Spirit, that's wrong. As we become... <laughs> A room filled with the Holy Spirit because we're bringing the presence of God in with us. Suddenly, this becomes the New Testament temple of God. And it begins to manifest the presence of God. And notice that in chapter 2, you begin to see the fruit of that physical and spiritual seeking of God together. The, the, the celebration of Pentecost comes and the Holy Spirit begins to pour out and they begin to proclaim the glory of God in foreign tongues. Do you remember in 2020, kind of mid-spring all the way through the summer, do you remember how the world lost its mind? We lost our minds. Look at your neighbor and go, you lost your mind in 2020. I hope you found it. Although there were many reasons why we lost our minds, one of the things that I think tends to go overlooked is for about two or three months, the local churches couldn't get together and worship God together. Friends, 
Paul talks about principalities, powers, and spiritual forces of the heavenly realms. There is no greater work of spiritual warfare than you showing up on a Sunday morning and us exalting the name of Jesus. Because what happens is when we exalt the name of Jesus and give him the glory and honor due his name, he begins to battle on our behalf. He begins to push back against the principalities, powers, and spiritual darkness there. If you want to see peace in your schools, show up and worship God. If you want to see peace in, in your downtown area, come show up and worship God. It does an amazing thing. I think, honestly, we will never be able to fully appreciate just what happens on a spiritual level through worshiping God until we're on the other side. But I can promise you, it is intense spiritual battle for the kingdom to advance. So belonging to the church means belonging to a local body, but it also means belonging to the global church. One of the things in conversations with you guys that I've noticed is y'all struggle with the word Catholic. When we recite the creeds and it says we belong to one holy Catholic and apostolic church, we tend to struggle with the word Catholic but I think sometimes it's good to just kind of dig into the theology a little bit. If you notice in the creeds, the, the word Catholic is always little c. It's not capitalized because it's not referring to the Roman Catholic Church. It's referring to the church universal. Okay? So it's, it's a global idea of the church. And, and that's really important because it means that the church transcends space and time. So think about it. It transcends time in the sense that Peter and John and uh, Martin Luther and even John Calvin and uh, C.S. Lewis, they are still a part of the church today. It also transcends space in the sense that it's a global church. And this, this is a very important thing, because notice right out of the gate in verses 5 to 12, what is God doing? He's building a global church, right? He takes all these Jews who happen to be in town, they live in foreign lands due to the exile, but they've come home, and he begins to reveal, God begins to reveal his glory to them through the local church. And so right out of the gate, he's building a, a global church by proclaiming who he is in their native tongues, in the tongues that they grew up with. Now, something that's important for my Bible geek friends out there. Notice that Acts 2 is the reversal of the Tower of Babel. Okay, At the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11... The people still spoke a common language, and so they tried to establish themselves as a people, as a city, as a nation, on their own ingenuity. But the end result was what? Just frustration and division. Hear me on this, y'all. When we try to make people, or take people from different ethnicities and social backgrounds, and we try to create unity on our own strength, it either doesn't work, or it just feels fake and forced. Come on, somebody. Real unity amidst diversity flows out of having and seeking the same Lord. 
worshiping him and then learning to love one another vulnerably and compassionately and truthfully as, as a byproduct of that seeking. That's what creates real unity amidst diversity. Real unity amidst diversity flows out of having and seeking the same Lord and learning to vulnerably and truthfully love one another as a byproduct of that seeking. That's where real unity comes from. And so being a part of the Little C Catholic Church is important because we need, to, we, we need a church that transcends our culture. Hear me on this. This is really important. We need a church that transcends our culture. Because otherwise, who's going to tell me that the things that are culturally acceptable in my particular culture may not be acceptable inside the kingdom of God? I need the church in Africa to speak into our lives as the church of America. The church of America needs to be able to speak into the church of Asia. Why? Because we need people to get our eyes above our culture so that we can see into the kingdom of God. Let's bring this down to a very practical level. I want you to consider the war in Ukraine. In an article by Kasina Luchinko entitled, Why the Russian Orthodox Church Supports the War in Ukraine, she writes, Patriarch Kirill, now just so you know, a patriarch in the Orthodox Church is basically like a bishop in the Methodist Church. So it's a high-ranking official. She writes, Patriarch Kirill of Moscow identifies entirely with the Russian regime and Putin's political elites. For almost a year now, he has been supporting the war, demonstratively appearing at Kremlin events, giving his blessing to murder and justifying aggression. Think about that. That is a leader in the church who instead of pushing back against the culture that is doing things that greatly dishonor Jesus. He's siding with the culture. What if that patriarch who's friends with Vladimir Putin, what if he denounced this unrighteous war? What if he heard the cries of his brothers and sisters in the church of Ukraine and stood with the church rather than what was politically expedient? Could this war have been averted? I don't know. What I do know is that actually belonging to a church locally and globally really matters. It's a part of how God wants to bring restoration to the world. So freedom to be a part of God's plan, A, for restoring the broken world, means freedom to belong to, train, and heal in, and be sent out as the church of Jesus Christ. I want to look at this idea of training and healing inside the local church. Training and healing helps us to become what the creed calls a holy church. Holy means set apart. But it doesn't simply mean set apart from the culture. It really means set apart for the sake of the culture. And this is a big deal. I want you to look at verse 40 in Acts chapter 2. Peter makes a bold statement. He says, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Just underline that. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Let me say this, y'all. We come from a corrupt generation. 
Don't let anyone ever lie to you and tell you that being an American is basically the same as being a Christian. That's a lie. The, the writer of Hebrews makes a similar statement. He says that we are to make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. For without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Friends, training and healing for the sake of holiness is important because we live in a, a, amidst a dying generation that is longing to see a holiness that's real. A holiness that has the power to hold people in difficult times. A holiness that breeds peace and joy and wholeness. That, that moves us beyond the corruption of our generation. Brennan Manning makes a statement. He says, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians. Listen to that. Greatest single cause of atheism today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out of the door, and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world finds so unbelievable. Friends, we must allow the Holy Spirit to do a deep work of training and healing in our lives. Jesus lived with us, died for us, defeated death, ascended to the throne, poured out his Holy Spirit so that we could walk in holiness all the way through. And that is the holiness that reveals God. But notice something in Acts chapter 2. There is a countercultural training that's going on. It says that they ate together and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and they um, had communion, they had prayer, they, they, they spent this time together. It was a countercultural training. Friends, for us, a countercultural training of the church is the place where we both give and receive healing. You see, life groups are not just a place where I learn to personally walk with God. They're a place where I learn to minister through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's a big deal. Because, friends, our world is desperate for a church that knows how to minister through the power of the Holy Spirit. In life groups, we ask a question. If Jesus were in the room, what would you ask him for? Jesus said, if two or more are gathered in my name, there I will be also. So it's a completely legitimate question when you've gathered in Jesus' name to ask, okay, if he were in the room, what would I ask him for? To think about that. And then as a group, we kind of go around the room and, and we let everybody share that. And then someone prays for the group. But we generally pick out one or two people that need a deeper work of ministry, a deeper work of prayer. And we just ask him, hey, can, can we specifically pray for you and listen on your behalf? And that's what we do. So I want to give you a, um, a scenario, just a kind of a fictitious scenario. We're going to take a guy named Mythical Bob. Mythical Bob. Mythical Bob is in a small group. And we ask Bob, you know, if, if Jesus were in the room what would you have him do for you? Or what would you ask him for? And he says that he feels like there's real distance between him and his mythical daughter, Laura. So you got mythical Bob and mythical Laura right there. And so he would like to see God bring healing into the relationship. 
So we pray over that. But then we take time to listen. And suddenly, maybe Gordon gets a picture of a wall. He sees that there's this wall standing between Bob and his daughter, Laura. And he begins to pray that God would just begin to bring that wall down, begin to open up the channels of life between their, in their relationship. Then maybe, maybe Cindy begins to just really get a deep sense of the mercy of God. She begins to really notice how like God feels so brokenhearted over Laura's situation. Laura's making some bad decisions right now, and it just, it just kind of breaks God's heart. And she offers that to God. And suddenly Bob begins to tear up. Why? Because he is really feeling the heart of God for his own daughter again. And then maybe Margie, she begins to get a word. And so she just kind of humbly offers it. She says, you know, Bob, as best I can hear the Lord, I feel like he's saying, don't be afraid to remind your daughter that you're still for her. To let her know that you're still for her. And that really opens up a door for Bob because he's, he's been really concerned. He doesn't, know whether, uh, he doesn't know how to affirm her right now. He certainly doesn't want to affirm the decision-making that she's been making. But now he knows that he can affirm her worth just as a person. That he can let her know that he's really for her. That he still believes in her and, and in the plans that God has over her life. Friends, do you see how spiritual gifts are showing up? They're not showing up because we did some spiritual gift inventory. They're showing up because we're just loving on one another. We're listening for the Holy Spirit. And it's so gentle and it's so kind that it just feels like love. What is more, notice that this is a healing power that is far beyond just simple human sympathy. This isn't, man, Bob, we're, just, we're sorry you're going through it. Or, man, we hope Laura gets better. No, no, it's, it's a work of the Spirit begins, that begins to minister to Bob's heart and begins to give him vision for how God would like to restore that relationship. So, friends, belonging to a local church is absolutely essential to the restoration of our world. It's how, we were, it's how God uses us to restore one another. And, and something um, Greg pointed out to me between services. Notice that they would give to one another as people had need. Well, what's going on? They know each other's lives. They're invested in each other's lives enough to actually know what the needs are. Like, that's the beautiful work of what it means to embody the kingdom of God on earth. Have you heard of a concept called quiet quitting? Apparently it's a new concept. I'm, I'm always the last person to find out these things. But a little work on the, in, in the Google, and I found it. So this idea of quiet quitting is the idea, it's, it's in a work world mindset, where people are learning to show up to church, not to church, to work, and do the absolute minimum necessary to keep their jobs. That's what quiet quitting is. Quiet quitting is something that I think is going beyond just the work world. It's teaching us to, to give our minimum at work, but it's also compelling us to not lean in deeply to relationships anymore. 
And I think the, the enemy has used powerfully this idea, this temptation of quiet quitting to, to affect the church, to compel people to quiet quit the church. They first start by just, you know, kind of pulling back their heart. They show up physically, but emotionally they're distant. And then over time, they eventually just kind of disappear altogether. If you're in this room, hear me on this. If you are in this room, I strongly suspect you have felt the temptation to quiet quit your congregation, your home. And so, firstly, I want to say I just so deeply appreciate the fact that you've resisted that temptation. It really matters. Secondly, I want you to notice that it actually is a temptation. It's not just some random thought you've had. It's the enemy trying to destroy God's church on the earth. So, so you resisting that is actually a work of, of, of spiritual warfare. Thirdly, I want you to know that the enemy wants you to make you feel wants to make you feel like your presence doesn't matter. He wants you to believe that watching sermons online is just as good as actually giving yourself to one another in person, but I want you to know that's a lie. It's a lie straight from the pits of hell. When people quiet quit the church, they are harming the world. They're harming the world. You see, guys, I spend a lot of time in pastoral counseling with many of you. And so I know that many of us have dealt with real wounds of rejection. Many of us have dealt with real wounds of abandonment. And so what I want you to see is that when a person quiet quits the church by either pulling back their heart or even worse, pulling back their heart and their physical presence, they are reinforcing those lies of rejection and abandonment in other people's lives. So it's a big deal. It's not just you and yours. It's, it's, it's the body of Christ. So thank you. If you're in this room, thank you for resisting that temptation. Every time you push past being tired on a Sunday morning and actually come to church and begin to exalt the name of Jesus, every time you push past the desire to just go home after work rather than coming to your life group and ministering to one another, every time you push past those, those temptations, what I want you to recognize is that you are being a healing word over the souls around you. You are being a healing word over the souls around you. You are showing them that they, they, they matter, that you value them, that they were worth showing up for. So in a world of quiet quitting, thank you for not. Friends, freedom to be a part of God's plan A for restoring a broken world means belonging to, training and healing in, and being sent out as the church of Jesus Christ. Let's talk about what it means in the creed where it says that we are an apostolic church. Apostles are sent ones. So an apostolic church is a sent church. It's a sent church. Notice that in church history, Acts 2 stands as one of the greatest days of all time in terms of evangelism. Right? The church went from about 120 to over 3,000. That's a growth rate of somewhere around 24, 2,500%. I'll take that growth rate. But notice that their plan was not some great evangelistic event. Hear me on this, guys. 
Over the past couple of decades, the American church has really struggled to connect with people beyond our walls. But it hasn't been for a lack of trying. Man, the church has worked hard. They've tried. We've tried so hard. We've planned really good events. We've worked really hard. But if we're honest, that hard work and those events haven't quite borne the fruit that we long for. Conversely, the church in Acts isn't actually trying to get anybody's attention. Notice this. They're not planning an event. They're not trying to get people's attention. God, rather, has their attention. And through that, he is beginning to supernaturally give them the language that communicates with the greater world. Friends, in a post-Christendom era, we must come back to a more primitive version of evangelism. Hear me on this. We must shift from putting some prayers on top of some well-made plans to actually letting prayer become the plan. Do you hear that? Do you see the difference in that? Prayer is the plan, as I said earlier. We're going to start on Wednesday, September 6th from 6.30 to 7.45. And and as I said earlier, we're going to just bring three or four people in our hearts. Not physically, just in our hearts. and Learn to lift them up. And ask God to minister to them. We're going to ask God to minister to family members, to friends, to co-workers. Ask God to begin to open up their hearts and minds to himself. Because hear me on this, guys. In an America that has endured in the last two decades, 9-11, Katrina, recessions, uh, incredibly divisive politics, demonically empowered racism, school shootings, and a pandemic on top of everything else. In that America... I believe the world around us, whether they know it or not, are longing for a supernaturally empowered church. They're longing for a church that actually knows how to minister to their tired and anxious souls. That's what the world is longing for. And so we're going to seek God on their behalf. We're going to seek God for the power to minister to them in deep and compassionate ways. And guess what's going to happen? God's going to hear our prayers. Come on, somebody. God's going to hear our prayers. He's going to hear our prayers. And and as a response, he's going to open up doors for us to love them. Like the people in Acts, the church in Acts, he's going to give us a language to be able to connect with them in ways that we haven't before. To listen to their stories. And then in the same way that we're learning to pray with one another in life groups, we're going to learn how to pray for others outside of the walls of Mosaic. And what's going to happen is the kingdom of King Jesus, a kingdom of peace and of wholeness and of rest, is going to come and is going to begin to restore lives. And month by month, we will begin to learn to be a missional people for whose our plan is prayer. That's what we're going to do. And so friends, we are free. We are free to be a part of God's plan A for restoring a broken world. But like Peter in Acts 2, our source for participating in that work is the crucified, resurrected ascended Lord of glory. At the resurrection, or excuse me, at the crucifixion, Jesus took the chaos that broke our world onto himself. There's no healing of this world without the crucifixion. At the resurrection, his body was uh, evidence, first fruits of of a healed and restored world. 
The power to heal and restore comes directly from the fact that Jesus' resurrected body proclaims that God wins. It proclaims that God is actively and will one day fully restore creation. But ultimately, hear me on this, guys. Ultimately, we are a confidently apostolic people, a confidently sent people because Jesus is the ascended Lord of glory. Because he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And so, friends, we can compassionately listen to people. Why? Because God is caring for them through us. We can pray for them with confidence because we know that when we bring people before the Lord of glory, the ascended Lord, that that he is compassionate and gracious and he will minister to their souls. So we say to the Lord, come on, Lord. Look at your neighbor and just say, come on, Lord. Come on, Lord, use us right here, right now. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on this place in earth as it is in the heavenlies. That's what we're after. So I'd like you to consider where you are in this invitation to participate in God's plan A for restoring a world. I want you to think about where you are. Firstly, you may be listening to this and you may be still on the outside of the kingdom of God. You know about Jesus. You like Jesus. But it's surrender to Jesus that begins to save you. And so I encourage you, right now, if, if you know about Jesus, but you don't, you don't really know him, and you haven't really surrendered to him, let today be the day. I would love to see your soul begin the the restoration work of King Jesus, but also be invited to be a part of his restoration work. For some of you, uh, you're watching me on camera, and you are many, many miles away, and I'm just so grateful that from Atlanta or Michigan or wherever you are, I'm I'm just so grateful and honored that you you would listen to us, that you would check us out. For others of you, however, you're in this city, and you're not in the house because you've dealt with a lot of church hurt and pain. And, and so church feels dangerous to you. And I want to say, I get it. I really have compassion for that. And so I encourage you, all my contact information is online. And I would love for you to either call me or email me or call our staff. And let us just minister to you in, in a way that will make it safe for you to return to the assembly of God. For others of you who are watching me online and in the city, you frankly just quiet quit your way right out of church. Somewhere amidst the pandemic, you gave in to a spirit of offense, and you just stopped coming. It's time to repent. It's time to return to to the body of Christ and be a part of God's healing work in this world. Don't kid yourself with just staying home with your Bible and your coffee. Be a part of God's church, his mission to restore the world. For some of you who are in this room, you you may be where I was many years ago, where it's just like you come to church because it honors God, and that's, that's really good. I appreciate that. But there's also a part of you that just feels like, man, this is kind of boring. I do it because it's the right thing to do, but I don't have much of a why beyond that. I encourage you this morning when we enter into prayer, just begin to ask Jesus, open my eyes. 
Give me a fresh revelation of what it means to be a part of the church. Put me in, coach. Use me for the restoration of the world. Lastly, for some of you who are in this house, you've been faithfully ministering on behalf of the church of Jesus Christ for a long time. And I want you to know that your faithfulness has not gone unnoticed. You have been faithful to the call to follow Christ inside the body of Christ. And as a consequence, I think heaven notices. I think God is so pleased with your faithfulness. But frankly, you need fresh wind and fresh fire. And so I encourage you, September 6th, from 6.30 to 7.45, we are going to go after fresh wind and fresh fire. We are going to go after the power of God to begin to minister in supernatural ways, in ways that minister to tired and anxious souls that have been through it for the last couple of decades in this country. So I encourage you to stand with me. T-Bone, you can come on up. And I just want us to... I just want us to pray from that place. When we finish praying, Carolyn's going to be on that wall. I'm going to be over here. And if you want us to individually pray with you, we'd be just so delighted. Lord, Lord, you have called us to be the church, to be an assembly that manifest your presence on the earth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. God, we are asking you for fresh wind and fresh fire. Lord, we don't want to just do church. We want to actively participate in the restoration of the world. And so, Lord, wherever the hearts are today, Lord, if there are people who need to just know you, and surrender themselves to you. God, I ask you to tug their hearts and help them to come find me or Carolyn. Let us pray with them, Lord. Tug their hearts. If people uh, have, are watching me through a camera and need healing, or if they just need repentance, God, I pray that you would give them that grace. If people are in this room that are just a little bored and they need a strong vision for what it means to be the church, I pray that you would give that to them, God. And Lord, if, if there are those of us who we have the vision but we're just tired, God, I pray you would pour out fresh wind, fresh fire. Make us an apostolic people. As we pray the way you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.